I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days. Team 32 of 32, we did it. You made it here with us. We really appreciate you uh, tuning into these and checking this out as we prep everybody for the fantasy football 2021 season, breaking down every single team. It's been a pleasure. Been really enjoying it. Working as always with, I'm Neil Smith, working as always with my colleague, Mr. Steve Bonham. Hello, we've done it. We're here. We're here. We're here. We did it. We're all the way at the end of the alphabet, and we didn't kill each other for five years running. We've made it. Although I shouldn't say that until we've actually finished hitting the Here final. Those jinxes things again. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, we've done it. We've done it tentatively. Tentatively, tentatively mission accomplished. But real quick from the top, one last time. Today is the 28th of August as we sit down and record this. So if anything we're going to say sounds dated, check out the wrap-up show, which will be dropping on Friday of next week, right before draft weekend. We will be updating any takes that need to get updated from when we started this project to right before everybody should be drafting. So hit us up with that. If you have questions or anything like that, get at us on Twitter. Uh, Beyond that, check out importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. And if you would like, get in as our lowest level Patreon for $1, one little dollar to get access to our Discord channel. That way you can chat with Steve. You can chat with myself. You can chat with our entire staff. We've got everybody on there. And also, We'll be happy to take a look at start sit questions, evaluate your team. If you have questions, look at trades, anything you might need help with. Or if you just want to have a conversation about fantasy football, we're always there for you. So we're really looking forward to having you all with us for the 2021 fantasy football season. Uh, For the purposes of today's discussion, as always, it'll be based on 12 team PPR. We'll be referencing our own collateral and we'll also be referencing the fantasy pros ECR. Also possibly be referencing some underdog best ball. Shout out to all the guys at underdog. Really love your best ball service. If you do want to check that out, please use promo code nonsense. If you're interested in picking up a couple best ball drafts right before the start of the season. But I made the, I I made the joke at the end of, uh, of yesterday's show that normally what this would be is the last and most certainly least team in the NFL, the Washington football club, which is still awkward and kind of wonky to say, but that is their name at this point. So technically football team, but fair enough. I still want to call them the R's. Okay. Cause I've been doing that for a decade and I I wish they were still the R's and I don't mean the actual slur name. I mean, literally just calling them the R's. That's what I've, or they could be the potatoes. I really liked that one too. That was, that was really good. So that's, uh, but that's, that's who we're here to talk about today. And it's kind of actually more interesting than in previous years because they have been hideously skin peelingly terrible for years and have been frankly a running joke. And for the first time in a long time, Steve, I actually can't sit here and make my facetious jokes about it because they have too many players that I'm interested in. It's frustrating me to no end that I'm looking at Washington players for 2021. And let's just get right into it at quarterback because they did it. They brought in a guy that historically I I love to watch play and I've always been saying has value 
for fantasy purposes, more so than in real purposes, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the beard himself, is going to be your starting quarterback in Washington this year. And I hate how much I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm I, I'm it's driving me crazy. Yeah, they have an actual legitimate quarterback for the first time in a long time. It's not a guy who has off the field issues that was real questionable in college anyway. It's not a guy who was good 10 years ago. It's it's a guy who's actually been productive the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and he just he hasn't been able to kind of hold on to a job for the whole year, but it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you've ever watched him play, you know what you're getting. He'll chuck it all over the field. He's no stranger to just slinging it. He's way more mobile than what he looks like and what he gets credit for. He runs my favorite stat possibly ever was in his time with Miami. He led the Dolphins in rushing yards. That's how bad that Miami team was. And it's not just that they were bad. It's that he's significantly more mobile than what he gets credit for. And because of that, he actually has this sneaky little rushing floor that a lot of people just sleep on, I find. And they want to poo-poo Ryan Fitzpatrick because of the inaccuracy issues. But again, what are you expecting? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. We've seen him do this for years. He'll chuck it all over the field. He'll throw for 4,000 yards. He'll throw too many interceptions. He'll have some hideous fumbles. But at the end of the day, you don't care because he might throw for four touchdowns and 400 yards at any given moment. Right. That's what he does. And it's he's he's also a great locker room guy for the, to the extent it doesn't really matter for fantasy purposes, but it matters for actual football. People really seem to gravitate to him and they like him. People also forget that he went to Harvard. He's way smarter than the beard would lead you to believe, I think, in certain situations. And he's just an all-around kind of solid thing. He's my quarterback 19 for this year. And I love it because you don't have to invest a lot for something that I think could realistically finish. I mean, would it really shock you if Ryan Fitzpatrick finished at QB 12? Would you be that surprised? A little bit. A little bit. But not, not overly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it would, it would, if he finished at QB 12, it's because the defense really, really had a bad. Well, we'll season. get, and we'll well, that get, would surprise me. That's fair. That's fair. And we'll get into the defense, obviously, here a little bit later in the show. But there's really the only other thing to talk about here is, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I've got him at QB 19. I've seen his, his ADP. He's getting slept on pretty significantly. So, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is my backup quarterback in like the 15th, 16th round, like I, where I'm seeing him go in drafts, I'm great with it. Yeah. Absolutely great with it. Love it. Love everything about it. A lot of upside on that at that relative ADP. So beyond that, there's only one other thing to talk about as it relates to quarterback in Washington, which is Taylor Heineke, who will be the backup. He came in in some spot starts last year, played well. Looks like he actually might have a career in the NFL, weirdly enough. And if something was to happen to Fitzpatrick, I view him as a guy who could come in and keep all the skill position guys relevant for you. And I do actually think that there's a non-zero chance that if Fitzpatrick struggles and turns the ball over too much and some of the other things that have happened in the past, that Heineke might actually get a shot to start. Or if he gets hurt, I could see that happening. And we'll have to just evaluate that when we get there. But I'm not overly concerned about it because it's you know, it's still largely unproven in my eyes. Are you worried about Taylor Heineke coming in and doing anything? Uh, no, no, not really. Do you think Taylor Heineke is bad enough that he would crater out your skill position guys that we're going to talk about here now? No, we saw that last year. I think exactly. It'd be fine. Yeah. Not too worried about it myself either. So from there, 
let's just get right into the skill position guys, right? Like it's, you know, it's it, at wide receiver, you've got scary Terry, Terry McLaurin himself, who you and I in previous years have always been a fan of hyped up significantly. And he's an excellent real world, real world football player. Yeah. They went out and they brought in Curtis Samuel from Carolina last year. And I think this is a great choice because given the offense they're going to attempt to run, Curtis Samuel should be a fantastic addition to that as a guy to play this out of the slot and also potentially to get in the backfield from time to time with one of the running backs. And he'll take some carries out of the backfield. He might get some end arounds, some things like that. We've seen him do all of that stuff in his career. And it's he was very effective at it last year, especially in Carolina, when he kind of kind of got everything, got all the horses going in the right direction. And he was good enough at it that it got him this job. So right. they're going to use him. And I believe he's a big part of what they're going to attempt to do. And then it kind of gets interesting because the only other person that I'm interested in, in for the Washington wide receiver room, right? Just wide receiver would be their rookie third round pick, Diami Brown. Yep. Yeah, I'd but agree I, with that. He, he's okay. he's one of the guys we talked about that was a a hype up guy in the uh, in the draft class that we were excited mm-hmm. about. So yeah, he's he's quite the athlete, Diami Brown. So there's a non-zero chance for me that he's going to be starting basically immediately in third wide receiver sets because he's competing against Antonio Gandy Golden, who neither you or I have historically been a fan of, and this is no different, and. And Cam Sims is the other option, realistically, who I'm not interested in. And we've seen him play uh, with the Rams before. It's not worth it. It's not something you're going to you're going to worry about. So Deami Brown is an interesting kind of end of your draft kind of thing. But realistically, you could probably get him off waivers. So not overly concerned about that. I think you're talking about in terms of actually drafting Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. And I will say there is one other name that should be mentioned because he's been having quite the camp and quite the preseason. And it seems like there is one fly in the ointment here, which is Adam Humphreys, who they also brought in as a, as a free agent. Folks will remember Adam Humphreys from other stops in the NFL. He's not a rookie, certainly. And he's borderline been a thing for fantasy in the past. He's smaller. He plays out of the slot and he's been developing some interesting chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So mm-hmm. I know that neither you are nor I would really be interested in drafting Adam Humphreys, but I do think it's worth noting that he's there. And if something was to happen to any one of those, the, the, the main guys, I could see Adam Humphreys having like one of those weird Cole Beasley seasons. Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Um, well, yes. I mean, obviously, but I mean, in terms of this take, no, I don't. Think oh so. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. You got I got it. It's it's good to check in on that every yeah. mm-hmm. every once in a while. So uh so yeah, check out check out Adam Humphreys either at the end of your draft, but realistically just wait until waivers and Yeah, it's not somebody that I'm super interested in drafting. Nah, I don't know if I want to draft it, but but yeah. I want to know that it exists and he's been playing well enough to where he might matter for fantasy football purposes as a waiver ad. And we've yeah. seen him have borderline fantasy value in the past. He's not horrible. So Beyond that, realistically, it's just about, I mean, Terry McLaurin is a top 10 wide receiver, right? Yeah, easy. That's yeah. done. Yeah. So that's it. He's a top 10 wide receiver. He's a freak athlete. Go get Terry. Go get Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel is the one that I think is interesting, though, just briefly, very briefly here. 
because he's getting drafted in the forties, relatively speaking at, as a, like a wide receiver kind of three, like a flex type of deal. And at that relative price tag, I find myself considering him quite a bit. How about you? Yeah. I mean, he's got the upside, especially uh, coming out of the slot, the short range stuff we've seen over the career of Fitzpatrick being able to carry those guys. So I think after the year he finally had breaking out last season, we know what we we know what he's capable of. We know what he can do. He will work primarily out of the slot, like you mentioned, with Humphreys and Brown on the outside opposite of McLaurin. So he's going to get work. He'll get a bunch of opportunities to shine this year. And I think he he has a good chance to have a great season. Yeah, and I think he can outkick that relative that that wide receiver 40 price tag also, because I'm I'm more and more convinced that he's going to get some carries. Mm. He's going to be one of those guys who gets some carries out of that backfield or on some end rounds. And that always pushes people up just a little bit. So take a look, a long look in your draft at Curtis Samuel, because I think he's somebody people might be sleeping on a little bit. Beyond that, though, we're going to expand out to all pass catchers, mostly just so we can touch on Logan Thomas very briefly. So Logan Thomas had a great year last year. Folks will remember he kind of burst onto the scene and there's not a whole lot in the way of actual analysis. I've got him as my tight end eight. I'm expecting roughly the same numbers he put up last year. Nothing has changed about Logan Thomas's role, really. And Fitzpatrick seems to be looking for him pretty regularly in what we've seen so far in the preseason and in camp. So I'm not worried about Logan Thomas. I just would caution, you know, reaching on it or overpaying for any tight end outside of the big three. So we talked about that so much that I don't want to spend more time going back through our tight end rankings. Yep. But he's, he's tight end eight. He's in that, that tier of tight end. And I would be more interested in him though, than like a Kyle Pitts who I keep seeing going consistently way ahead of him. I'd rather have, I'd rather wait and get a Logan Thomas uh, for significantly cheaper than a Kyle Pitts. If I was going to do that, but frankly, I'd probably just punt tight end anyway, folks. That's what I would, what I would, what I would preach, preach on. Beyond that, though, we do need to spend a few minutes talking about running back, right? Because it's an interesting kind of thing, but there isn't too much to say other than Antonio Gibson will be back. He's healthy again, and he's your RB one for this team. And beyond that, they still have they they're, they've retained JD McKissick. Because of what he was able to do when Gibson was hurt last year, he actually he actually played really well for them and played a lot of meaningful football. Caught a lot of dump offs. JD McKissick did last season, and so realistically, though, those are your two guys. You've got you've got Antonio Gibson as the one, the more traditional running back, who himself is also a pretty talented pass catcher. Right, was Being a wide f- receiver in college at Memphis. That's right. Being flanked by JD McKissick, who is kind of the same thing. He's he's been talented for them and in previous instances with Seattle and you know last year was his best season by far. He very much he's not the true he's not the runner that, right. that Gibson is, but he is a very talented pass catcher. The thing that's always dogged JD McKissick is he's not a very big guy. And so he's had a tendency to get kind of nicked up along the way. And you, you wanna you wanna bear that in mind with JD McKissick. I wouldn't call him injury prone per se, but he is one of those folks that I'm like, mm. You're just not very big. <laughs> it's, yeah, but he it, does it, have an established role on the team. So he does, and it's very that. and it's inexpensive, which is right. the best part. It's very inexpensive. Right. So for for me, I've got Antonio Gibson at RB14. I know for our site, he's going at he was projected at RB16. 
I'm assuming you're in largely the same neighborhood with Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. I've got him as a borderline top 10 ish type running back. He's in that tier for me with those guys where he could be top 10 if something breaks his way. Like I've got him just behind Mixon at 13. Um, but again, he's just ahead of Swift. He's right there with James Robinson now after the injury. So um, yeah, he he's in that neighborhood of guys that has the potential to be someone with a huge season. Yeah, and he's he does it all for PPR, which is what you like to see. He runs it between the tackles. He can bounce it outside, and he can catch. So the only reason he's not like a total three-down running back is because, frankly, I think it's because he got nicked up uh, last season, and they don't really want to put him out there for to do everything. That's the one limiting factor that I could see for Antonio Gibson, but I'd be happy to roster him and his ADP falls in line largely with where I will be. I will be in a position to want to do that. And then JD McKissick is going in the forties for most outlets, which to me is about right. And I would also be happy to roster JD McKissick from what I've seen at his relative ADP, especially because he's in that group of guys where his ADP right now is 46. There you go. So it's even it's even cheaper than than what I've been seeing. So I would be fine with rostering JD McKissick as the handcuff effectively to Antonio Gibson. But for me, he actually kind of has his own job. He's in that 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 group of guys where it's like, well, no, he's the handcuff, but he also has his own job. So it puts him into low level flex consideration periodically. So I would be happy to roster JD McKissick at that relative ADP. So both guys to me, I think are are interesting and are worth rostering. And I think that part of that is because there's a lot of hate still on Washington, given how bad they've been the last few seasons. So this is a team where you can find some kind of diamonds in the rough. There's some interesting kind of nuggets on this team because there's just nobody's being overdrafted. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a world of values. It's uh it's pretty interesting given how bad they've been the last few years to, to yeah, watch their them history. Turn, yep. Yeah. To watch them turn it around this aggressively. But outside of that, there's nobody else in the running back room that, that I would be interested in. I don't care about Peyton Barber. I don't even think he frankly makes the team to be honest. And there's just not a whole lot. You're going to get, yeah. you're going to get Jarrett, to, to your point though. I wouldn't call JD McKissick necessarily the handcuff. Jarrett Patterson, the rookie has really been impressive this preseason. And I believe that if something were to happen to Gibson, I think Patterson gets the early down and the goal line work. Like you were saying, McKissick being a smaller guy, it's not someone that you can give a three down back role and comfortably rely on. Patterson's actually been very impressive this offseason. He was one of the guys that graded out really well for us in the draft class. He just wasn't ever going to be regarded very, very highly because he went to Buffalo. Right. So he's uh, he's going to fly under the radar no matter what. But yeah, he's a guy that, uh, again, for fantasy purposes, he does not matter from right now from a drafting perspective. But he's a name you should know because if Gibson were to get hurt, I believe he does take away from that, you know, quote unquote, McKissick three down opportunity where people are going to way overpay in waivers and on fab to get a guy like McKissick when really he's not going to have the whole job. It, yeah, they're never going to give J.D. McKissick. They won't even give Antonio Gibson a three-down job because of because of concerns like that. J.D. McKissick, there's no chance that he's going to be your every-down, three-down running back. And if they do try that, I'd give it about two weeks before 
something gives in that relationship. Like it's it's that kind of thing. I think they know that. But JD McKissick is an is an interesting one, and I like the I like the uh, the Patterson mention there because yeah, it's not something you're going to draft, but if you're getting heavily invested in this Washington running back room, you should probably know who that is because he might be playing meaningful football for them at some point if something was to happen. And it's also why I tease that Peyton Barber probably doesn't make the team because Patterson I think is going to kick him off that roster. Yeah, he's effectively taken over his job. So that's realistically what you're staring down here with as we evaluate this. So beyond that, we should just touch on the defense here briefly, because as we teased it a little while ago, the defense is going to be stacked again. They have a very, very talented young core on that defense, and it's going to keep them in games. And it's actually why I don't have them as the favorite to win the division, uh, because I don't think they're necessarily speaking capable of even with that defense of stopping a healthy Dak Prescott. But if Dak goes down again, I think they should have no problem winning that division. And it's largely going to be because the offense should be good enough to have fantasy value and just good enough to have actual NFL value. But that defense will do the rest of it. You've got guys like Montez Sweat. You've just got a lot of talented guys on this Washington team. And they're going to turn people over. They're going to get a lot of sacks. And because of that, and they're not going to play a very hard schedule because of their division and the relative, you know, what they've been able to do recently, they've been bad. So they're going to have a pretty easy schedule all around. And they've got talented guys who will turn the ball over, which is what you're looking for, and generate sacks, which is what you're also looking for. But because of that, that defense is getting pushed up in terms of in terms of relative ADP. So as much as I think they'll be good, and I've got them as my number four defense, I just don't see very many scenarios where I'll actually have the opportunity to roster them. Because you should never reach on a defense, right? Exactly. Yep. And so, for me too, like not only are like Washington was the team that I was touting all last off season, that this is the defense you want. They're the defense you can get later. They're the defense that you can wait on and don't overpay for defense. Like be smart. <laughs> As we've said time and time again, like you never want to overpay for defense. And they ended up finishing number six overall last season. And they again are a highly rated defense for me personally in my rankings, but they're going as the defense four off the board. They're going in the 10th round. Like they're going way too early for me to consider them at all. Again, we've talked several times throughout this 32 and 32 series about not only do you wait on defense, but you're looking for one outside of the top seven in ADP because it's like 11 years in a row or something where the number one ranked defense at the end of the season was outside of the top seven in preseason ADP. So right. And yeah. you should never be paying a 10th round pick mm-hmm. for a defense. You should be looking at bench players and quality depth that will right. help you so much more than investing in a defense in the 10th round. So n- never do that. Look at depth, wait on one of these defenses to your point that will be outside the top 10 or top 12 that have a realistic shot at trying to get into that. Look for the next Washington. Don't overpay for the current Washington is always the advice. Don't do that. So beyond that, there isn't too much more to discuss. We will mention that Dustin Hopkins is still the kicker. And that's really all that you have to say about that. Dustin Hopkins cannot kick the ball very far, but he is relatively accurate when they get him close. He should have opportunities. I'm not really going to spend too much time belaboring the kicker position for any of these teams. So with that, I really want to thank everybody for tuning in to our 32 for 32 series. The first ever 
uh, 32 for 32 series. If we can get any kind of feedback, we would absolutely love it. If this is how we've heard it in the past, this is what folks wanted. So we decided to give the people what they want. And so far, it's looking like this will be how we do it moving forward. But if you have any feedback, anything you'd like to see done differently for future years, we'll, we are listening and we'll be happy to adjust and uh, get us get at us on Twitter or sign up as a Patreon or on our Patreon to be a patron and talk to us about it directly in our new Discord. So thank you, everybody. Best of luck in your drafts. Never overdraft a defense. Great. And with yeah, that, we'll, we'll talk to you on the recap show. Absolutely. See you then. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!